Hello, hello. Well, I didn't know we were doing video. Here we go. Oh, hey, uh, I can turn it off. I'm happy to. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> we're not oh, recording okay. the video, though, if that makes you feel any better. No, that's fine. Okay. Long time, man. Go. Oh, hey, yeah. buddy. Oh, yeah, there's Huey. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> good to see you, bud. <laughs> so? Hey, long time no see. Yeah, no kidding. So, you know what I realized? Hmm. We live hmm. a life of just strangers being friends, in a way. Um, in a way, yep. There, you know, I feel like I have so many acquaintances that I've I've known through mostly through the internet, and I really hmm. wish I could get to know more about them. I I hear that. What what's the sentiment there? I mean, what what is wrong with us right now that uh, there's this barrier here that we can't we can't overcome? It's kind of funny. I I actually <laughs> since this is how I met Danny, yeah, my wife, and uh, since I do have so many friends, and since I've been keeping in touch with so many people and reconnecting with people that I knew from years ago that I found later on and whatever. I don't think there's anything wrong with us. I think that we're just using a better tool. I don't think anyone ever said before, you know, I don't really know my friends that I call on the phone. They live across the country, but I phone <laughs> them all the time. I just don't physically right. see them. No, we're like, no, we talk to them. I think that missing this kind of thing, like actual vocal communication, actually speaking to someone is probably, but I got to say, I'm a, I'm a person that likes to write. So I'm much more comfortable in some ways typing out my, because my, my thoughts are clearer. I think I express myself more eloquently. Mm. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm right there with so you. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like there's a disconnect there, but I do feel like you miss the subtleties of sitting down having a meal with someone and, you know, three hours after having a few drinks, it's a different conversation than, Hey, let's have a call on the, on the Skype, you know, like right. there's, there's different moments that we don't get. And I really miss those. I, I miss, I really miss my friends back in, in Seattle. I mean, it's been, it's been oh, a hard, sure. hard few little, hard few years here, but. Oh man. Well, I, I hope there's some changes coming, um, especially just, you know, that you're, you're able to, you know, hang out in Seattle, you know, the way that you, uh, that you would like to. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I feel like there may be, there may come a time when, uh, Maddie and I make it over there again, uh, just to visit, you know, or to see the sites because it's such a, it's a powerful place. It's a place that has an allure. It, it just kind of wants to wheel you back it in. Does. Obviously you have, you have a, a different kind of allure to the place for sure. But, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> transcending that just, just for a moment. Yeah. Like, um, what's your, what's your take on that, that side of the world? Well, I'm now living in Alberta, which is North of you basically yeah, a little bit, yeah. a little bit West, but um so winters are terrible and uh and i love the mountains i grew up around here so it, i don't feel i don't feel um like i'm in a place i hate but there's something about the ocean there's something mm. about the smell of the air there's something about i gotta say um one of the things that where i live now calgary is famous for is that like they 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 say it all the time it has more sunny days than than hawaii right huh. and i don't like sunny days i love <laughs> rain days so seattle was yeah. great for me I'm I'm right um, there with you. Yeah. Wyoming is very much like that. Um, high desert plain. It's always yeah. windy, but it's always sunny. 
without a doubt, nine months out of the year, we're going to have cumulative sunshine. It's fairly right. off-putting. Uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not my favorite thing at all. No. Last <laughs> times Danny will get up in the morning and she'll call me and she'll be like, oh, that's nice outside. <laughs> <laughs> like, shut up. I don't want to hear it. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> well, I, miss, man, I also miss, I gotta say the thing that one of the things I miss about Seattle is the, is the vibrancy of it. The fact that there is a lot of things happening. There's yeah. always some art show or there's always some, and the small communities around, you know, like they all trying to compete Everett and all right. those places are trying to bring people in. So they have festivals and stuff like that. I know every city has that, but, but Seattle seems to have a, a wider breadth and depth. And, yeah, I, uh, and I really like the, I love the way that Seattle, the whole greater Seattle area, if you go north and you go east, it's still pretty redneck. There's still a lot of people there that mm-hmm. are good old boys. Oh, for sure. And then you yeah. go west and south and you get a lot of people that are very metropolitan, very, you know, they've traveled the world. And I just, I think it's a nice mix there. I really like Seattle. Yeah, I appreciate that as well. Just coming from Wyoming, you know, a place that is very much not on the same step with me. I mean, we're, um, it definitely allows me to confront where I come from, you know, and, and what my beliefs actually are instead of just falling in line with some ideology or things like that. But having a place like Seattle, I always felt like it had a chip on his shoulder and it wore it proudly, you know, like there, there's just the, the kind of, uh, it's, it's a good attitude to have, you know, it's like, we're going to, we're going to figure things out on our own. We're going to do our own thing and we're going to right. excel, you know, that, that's kind of what I fell in love about their, their fringe theater scene, you know? Initially, that's what, mm. you know, I wanted to go and do. I wanted to write plays and do that sort of thing up in, in Seattle. And, you know, I, I yeah, have what, to, what, yeah. What actually brought you there? What actually brought that, you there? That's what it was. I mean, um, Maddie and I, we had just finished at the University of Wyoming. And for the year prior to us moving, we had been talking about places to go because in Laramie, once you graduate, they want you to leave. The entire system is set up for you to just kind of go. And maybe it's it's just something that we kind of felt self-conscious about, but Maddie was working at Albertsons at the time, and whenever somebody f- who knew her from school would come in, they'd be like, oh, you're still here? Oh, you're still... Oh. And it's, it's mm-hmm. a very just kind of uh, demeaning sort of situation to be in. And so you have to want to be there and really overcome that sentiment. And for the longest time, we had just had a fondness for it. We went to visit previous times because one of my best friends from high school lives up there. Uh, he's this brilliant technical director, actor, and creative person. And I've always okay. um, just kind of had an affinity for you know the work that we did together. And when we we actually went up there to see the place, it felt like everything that we had been looking for. You know, a place that, like you yeah. say, is vibrant with culture that has a lot of different food options because that's really when, mm-hmm. where I operate. And it yeah, just, yeah. it felt right. It definitely felt right. right. So when we got there, and this is where I have to talk about the reality of it, that it's very difficult to find your footing when you first move, move to a, to a mm-hmm. big city. Yeah. Very insular. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it took us, I mean, the first year we were trying to survive. So it wasn't like a glamorous life of going to see the shows, right. you know, that you wanted to. No, it was um how, how how are we making the rent this month yeah exactly and so i ended up getting a job um commuting to everett so oh. first first you know i would go from the northern northernmost block of seattle 
because we had to be in mm-hmm. Seattle, you know, even if we could only right, afford right, right, the right. northernmost part. So we get <laughs> we move into this this little one bedroom apartment and it was it was affordable at the time, but by the time we left it was just it was hiking up crazy. upward even upwards of a grand, I would say. Yeah. And so I would commute an hour, hour and fifteen minutes to go and work at a cell phone store and I would travel right back on the bus and then eventually we afforded a car like after a year and some change of being there. And it was a, a an uphill fight and it was a slog, but every now and then we what would were be you like 21, 22? No, I, I was actually 25, 24, 24 okay. yeah, something like that. And by the time we, we left, I mean that we left in 2013. And so that was, yeah, it was, it was a huge, yeah, it was a huge time though in, in our lives because we found out how to be independent, how to fend for ourselves a lot. And we were able to figure out what we wanted. Right. Right. Did you find that, did you find that coming to Seattle made it easier to go back to Wyoming? It was hard. Um, I, I speak from a place of, of maybe it's embedded, um, masculinity that I've, I've tried to overcome for a long time, but when you have a child, right, you get to the Mm -hmm. point where you have to be the, the breadwinner, or maybe there's just like ingrained thing that made you feel like I have to figure it out for all of us. I'm responsible of this. this I'm responsible. Yeah. It's a very theatrically, you know, outdated, you know, idea of what, what things are, but. I didn't want to go back because we, we had our family. We have my in-laws here in Casper and it just felt like I was coming back with my tail between my legs. I didn't like Mm. that feeling. I didn't want that feeling. And I I wanted to show, you know, my family that, that we could, but it got very difficult. And so I, I had to, you know, take the high road and say, so transition uh, back was not, not seamless. Absolutely not. No, it was, it was fairly difficult, (laughs) but you know, but this is what happens is, is we overcome and we try our best to just do the best with what we have. And so since those days, that's been my philosophy moving forward. And we're thankfully we're, we're settled, you know, and it's taken a couple of years, but now we're in a place where we can pursue our lives. But yeah, it was difficult to leave Seattle because it was what we wanted. You know, we romanticized it and it was like being in um, a wonderland that we heard about in songs. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you you listen to the Foo Fighters. Yep. It was uh, the song Aurora that I'd been oh, okay. listening to since middle school. And then right. we, we made the connection like someday it was like, oh shit, this is where, this That's is actually... where that happens. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That, this is that one road. And so there was just a lot of allure in that, in that way. But yeah, it was, uh, it was very interesting. Now for you though. Mm. How did mm-hmm. you end up in Seattle? What was that kind of <laughs> journey, you know, in so many words? Uh, it was, it's funny. I always liked Seattle and I actually did some, I did some training, sales training there back when I was in my twenties and I really loved the city. I thought it was great. And I grew up on the West coast of, of Canada. So I grew up uh, about three hours West or three hours East of Vancouver. Okay. So my family used to go to Vancouver all the time. We used to, we had, I had relatives in Washington state. So I knew the state, I knew the topography. And then to be honest, uh, the people of Seattle and the people of Vancouver probably have much more in common than the people of Seattle and the people of Colorado, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, um, so or Denver, felt, I mean, but. It felt, it felt like it the was, kind, right kind of atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, I love. I always loved. I always loved the West Coast. I always loved the ocean. I loved uh, the weather. You know, like warmness and everything. So I was never against it. 
but I never really considered. I never thought I would move to the West Coast. Just never. Um, and then in my in my late twenties, I got a job with a startup company in Victoria, BC. Okay. And from there, I used to take the Clipper to Seattle quite a bit. So I kind of fell in love with the city in my late twenties. Mm-hmm. Really started to kind of like it. That's the perfect then, age, right? The formative age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're going downtown, walking around, right? Just everything seems magical and great. And this is going to be at the mid '90s, so it's uh, it's the height of grunge, and and Seattle's Ooh, the coolest wow, place yeah. on earth. And it's you know, so uh, so that was really great. And then um, ended up moving to back here to Calgary, and I had a job uh, with a guy that um, was a fairly big company, and I brought one of the guys with me uh, from BC. He came to work for me here. His name was his name is Michael Booth, but uh, we always called him Wally. Anyways, <laughs> Wally married a uh, married a California girl, mm. and he moved to California. <clears throat> and then those two ended up moving up to Seattle, and so I kept in contact with them because we were friends, and we were still both in the tech world at the time. So we would talk, and he worked for Expedia for the longest time here oh, in Seattle. Okay. And so. Uh, Danny started, uh, so I just was in touch with them all the time. Whenever I would go through, my folks oh. lived, I mean, folks had a place in Yuma, Arizona, so I would stop in or I would call them and we just stayed in touch. Oh, great. And I mean, I, I was their son's, I'm their son's godfather and, you know, just friends. So, mm-hmm. so then Danny, uh, while she's working at FedEx, got to know, no, she was working at UPS. She got to know M- Wally's wife, Hunter. Okay. And, uh, uh, she started doing some work nannying for them sort of, or just kind of, she just was Mm. friends with them and she hung out a lot. And one time when I was talking with Hunter, Michael's wife about Michael, about Wally, Danny happened to be in the car and we, so she was texting me with Hunter's words and she, Oh, I'm, I'm Danny, by the way. So we started talking and then we started talking on Twitter and then over time we just got to know each other. And then we, we were friends for like two years before we did it, before we dated or anything. Okay. Um, so would you say that was a, a late 2000s or early 2010s, just kind of around that ballpark? That would have been in right in right at the end of 2010, early 2011 kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we were talking for a bit and then uh, and then I came out to visit her a bit a couple of times. Came out the first time and we were still friends by the end of it. it could tell we liked each other, but mm-hmm. who knows. <laughs> and then we talked more and more and then eventually yeah, I got there and we decided to kind of make, try and make it work. Mm. And, uh, I was dumb and overstayed my, my worker visa oh. and that's what led to my problems. I see. But, uh, but I had a, I had a, I had a, I had an N1 visa for, mm. cause I was working for a consultancy down in the States at the time. Okay. And, uh, but then I left the consultancy and if you leave that, you, even though you have your N1, you're technically no longer covered. So oh, uh, when I, I came back, they're like, I still had a valid N1, but I wasn't working for the company anymore. So there you go. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we fell in love and and uh, I always loved Seattle and we were going to make it work. We had a lawyer and everything. And then my grandma died and I oh. came up to the funeral and went to go back across the line and got stuck here. They so said now no. that's why I'm here. And yeah. yeah. And then I got a five-year ban. Oh, man. Well, it's, you know, it's one of those things where I do, um, I do understand where you're coming from. And my sister was in a similar position. Um, she was actually, she did get a five-year ban and this was in the late two thousands. 
And mm -hmm. um, it's very difficult to kind of pick that situation back up from, you know, where we orig originally were at because we were looking to get her, her, um, her residency and then her citizenship. And we, right. we are still in that limbo. I mean, I, I understand the uh, plight of, of this system. And I think it's, it's pretty horrendous if you're trying to do something that is best for you and your family. And then they consider that a check mark against you. It's, uh, pretty disheartening, but I have it is. the utmost faith that you, you folks will be together again, because in my, in my life and during my time in Seattle, I don't think I've met a, a sweeter, most more uplifting couple than you two. Um, oh, and that's, you. that's, that's really, yeah, it, it was one of the great takeaways. And, and Maddie and I talk about this often. We look back on the trail of friends we leave behind, right? As nomads, we go one place mm -hmm. to another and we find that folks like you are hard to come by. And I remember your, your kindness in that we were, Maddie and I didn't make a lot of friends in Seattle just because by virtue of just not having enough time, cause we were working all the time. We, we just had to survive. Yep, yep. It was it was tough to to find friends, and every time that we spoke with you guys, you you were always the kindest, and I know how kind you were because you shared that with the world. I recall when we were working at FedEx, Danny and I, and she started working on Ninja Cupcakes. The idea, the messaging of that that project was just so uplifting <laughs> that I said, "This is like this is like world peace." Can you imagine? If you, know, <laughs> you guys were walking around each conflict zone and providing cupcakes for people, that is the sign of hope. That is, that's just kindness. And what Thank I you. found interesting about that, was just your way of, of bringing that kind of joy to the world. So I just, you know, I'm very grateful for you guys and I'm very happy to, to know you guys. Um, but well, thank you. that's exactly how Dan and I feel too. We, we talk about it often, actually, how much we regret that we seem to like intersect so briefly, Ships but in the there night. was obviously something, there was obviously something there. Right. And yeah. And yeah. she talks about you guys all the time. She misses, uh, she misses everybody there, but she really misses you and she misses oh, you. And, and, uh, what's his name? Um, the older guy. Um, Oh, um, Oh my God. This is the worst. I'm going to cut this out because I need to, I need to take a moment to pass. <laughs> when I'm on the spot, when I'm on the spot, is very, it's very difficult to remember. Know, so Shelby. Anyway. Shelby. She misses Shelby. Shelby. Yeah. She misses Sweetest Shelby. And, man. And, uh, uh, she actually texted him a while ago and they caught up a little bit and he's now kind of semi-retired with his daughter. And oh, good. They, and so, yeah, it's worked out for him. So. Oh, hope he's doing. Yeah. I always, I always wondered. He did the, the kindest thing too. I, as we were leaving. I mean, we talked about finances, we talked about money and he was always, you know, kind of like on the sort of irregular, you know, scale, you mm. know, financially. And when we left, he, he gave us a check for like a hundred dollars and he said, oh, for wow. your little one. And I, I, I was crying a lot back then, you know, I that's, wasn't sleeping well. My you. child was six months old. It, it was, I was a mess. I was a mess the whole yeah. time. And uh, I just uh, just Shelby gave me some money, and it was so good. <laughs> a lot of emotions around that time, but it was very difficult yeah. to part. And like I said, now and like you're saying, the thing that I'm trying to overcome is my bias for this technology by realizing that this is the thing that bridges that gap and allows us to go mm -hmm. back to the friends that we care about and the people that we want to strengthen those relationships with. And so, stay connected, yeah, exactly. And stay yeah. connected, and that's why I I also just wanted to thank you very quickly for your constant support. I don't think I've ever had anyone 
be as responsive as you for any of the stuff that I'm doing. And so it just warms my heart. Every now and then I get a message. I'm like, hey, good job, man. Or I listen to this episode. I mean, yeah. that I just, say the, it means the world, man. It really does. You, you, I, I don't want to shine your apple, but I got to say, <laughs> I find you incredibly inspiring. And uh, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I think there are far too many people, you talked about you know, taking the masculinity out of it. And that has been probably my biggest project in the last decade of my life here yeah. has been to take my ego out of things and to, to stop worrying about being right and to start worrying about getting what I want. Absolutely. And, and before I always wanted to teach somebody a lesson or I wanted to get my point across or mm -hmm. I wanted to have my say or I don't care about any of that anymore. <laughs> I just want to, <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to live my life and I want to, and, and, and I got to say, seeing someone like seeing you guys make that move, a lot of people, and I knew because Danny and I talked about the kind of person you were, and you and I talked a little bit before you left, and and I know what it meant for you to be a creative person, for mm. you to be an artist in your heart, and to yes. and to live that your whole life. Um, a lot of people talk that talk. But then they move to Wyoming and they forget about that and they get a job and their kid gets to preschool <laughs> and that's the end of it, right? Right. And in, instead of that, I've seen I've seen you go to a lot. Most people would go to Wyoming would go would go from Wyoming to Seattle to start a podcast. Mm -hmm. You went from Seattle to Wyoming to start a podcast. <laughs> that is inspiring to me. Well, that is someone that that Dane and I talk about all the time. You know, and the old metaphor about about. Um, taking lemons and making lemonade and everything. We always talk about having a small boat. If you've got a small sailboat, even if you're sailing into the wind, you can do it if you know what you're doing. If you're right. packing properly, you can still make your way. It right. might be slow. It might be painful, but you can do it. And if you really want to get somewhere, you'll, you'll get there. And yeah. to see you and Maddie and to hear you guys talk, to hear the Our Kids Asleep podcast, to hear your – and to see you not only – a lot of people can talk about themselves or their own circumstances, but to see you highlight other working creatives and other working artists, dude, I'm telling you, you're, you're the man. I really, honestly, oh, I, I tell Danny all the time, I, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm inspired by your work and I know sometimes we don't connect as much as we would because we're super busy and especially sure. my last year has been absolutely nuts. Mm -hmm. But I want you to know that, that I think that, uh, I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm very, um, so many people let life get in the way oh, yeah. and they use that as an excuse to not be creative. And then they right. end up getting miserable and bitter and brittle and all those things over Absolutely. time. And to see you still stay soft and open and, and ready and giving and all of those things, despite, like you said, a humbling experience, having to go back and feeling like, you know, and yeah. to take that thing into, uh, that's what I've done too. Like I've had to, like I said to Dan, you know, like there's been times in my life where, I've had a big house with a pool and I went to travel all the time and I went, you know, right. and to take a step back and to have, but I have the, I have more of a life I want now than I had before. Yes. I do the things I want to do. I, I watch and listen to the things I want to watch and listen to. I talk to the people I want to talk to. That's worth more than anything I've had up to this point. So, um, so I just thank you. I thank you for your output. I thank you for putting stuff out there that you, I know in your heart of hearts, you know, that some of the things you put out there will 
get listened to by three people hmm. and you still keep doing it. And I love it. I think it's fantastic <laughs> because that's the only way that we made it. That's the only way that we made it with, with uh, this Ninja yeah. cupcakes. Like you said, Ninja cupcakes, we, we got a lot of joy from that. We learned a lot from it. Mm-hmm. Too bad we couldn't make a living doing it, but it, it brought us to the next level. But even when we started fun, usual suspects, the idea was how do we do something that brings a little bit more joy into the world? That was our initial exactly. thought. How do we make a little bit more joy? And and bring and make people smile. Give people every time we talk about everything. When you should, when you, well, you should talk to Danny about this. We actually say, "Will it give people that <gasps> moment?" That's what we're looking for. <gasps> and now you it's know? it's my turn to shine your apple because I want to attest okay. to this. Being like seeing the timeline, right? The timeline of of going from something like Ninja Cupcakes, which, which seemed more like a like a fun little organization to to bring joy to an actual enterprise that you guys have created from the ground up from those learning experiences has been nothing short of just incredible to see. So I want to let you and Danny know, I love you folks so much because of the joy (laughs) that you put out on a continual basis. And again, this is inspiration that I've seen on social media from you guys that has allowed me to find something to keep going, to find a little bit more inspiration to keep going. So it's, it is almost reciprocated, right? In that you're giving out, Thanks, you're man. putting out this that. this beautiful thing, and it comes back to the people who really are willing to take it. And now, you know, you folks are just this huge thing, fun, usual suspects. And obviously, uh, you know, you got a helper over there who, who also helps uh, with the <laughs> operation. <laughs> We're about to hit the top 450 uh, nationally on Etsy. Oh, my word. And that's incredible. And, and, and that's something to applaud and to really just celebrate every chance you get um i gotta i gotta send you a couple of i gotta send you a couple of youtube videos that'll make you laugh and you know you've made it when we've got we i think i found three so far youtube scammers telling people they can make money with no work and using (laughs) our shop as an example oh my they use our shop as an example they're like (laughs) look at how much money these people are making you they're coloring when they're not their their numbers are totally wrong they're they're totally right but the fact that people are using us as a as a as an example uh for their scams yeah i love it and it's that's a sign you've made it (laughs) it's absolutely but it's incredibly laughable because not not that i'm right there behind the scenes seeing what you guys are doing but i know firsthand from you at times how intense things have been for you to climb up that ladder but again do you, what is do, do you think it's consistency or what else do you have to do plus being consistent because i know that's a pillar right we did we did things we've spent no other than spending money on etsy ads like like in like internal like to be up on search right. we've spent no money on on advertising i think we've spent ten dollars on 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 Facebook and it made us nothing. So we stopped. We've done everything organically from scratch. So for us, it's been, yeah, I think consistency has been the big thing. I mean, it's, it's anyone can put, anyone can write a single pun. Anybody can draw a quick little doodle. Can you, can you write 5,000 of them? Can you, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like that's what it comes down to. Can you, like five a day, every day, and for Danny to do drawings and art and for Danny to make like, it's the work, it's the, it's finding a system that lets you do this every day. Cause there's, there's lots of times where not feeling it, Oh yeah. you know, uh, but I think that the, I think the biggest thing, uh, for me, once we get started and I really started doing messaging online 
uh, yes, having the site, having our website look good. There's a bunch of stuff on there uh, on our Etsy shop and on our website that are written or little design elements that I'm sure only five people have ever seen. We did it for ourselves, but I think that's important too because it rewards mm-hmm. the people that are the most loyal to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's been more the messaging over time. Instead of a single message, I'm trying to get a sense. Now, I'm going to give away some secret sauce here. I write as Danny, right? So mm. I'm writing as a 35-year-old woman that loves Kauai, and I am not those things. Um, <laughs> but that's helped in two ways. Number one, Danny would be way too close to it. People that would write, if she was to responding, she couldn't. She would be locked in. She couldn't do it um, because it would be too close to her. And then uh, when a bad review comes in or someone complains or someone is mad at us or whatever, right? That's the other thing that helps is that she's a step away from it. There's a buffer there between the artist and the criticism. There's mm-hmm. a little buffer there. So that's helped. But I, the biggest thing has been telling this story over time. So instead of trying to just be random and every day come up with it, I, we actually do think in terms of quarters or half a year or sick or, or even a year, what kind of story are we telling about? Not, I mean, the company, we've, we've highlighted all of our pets and we've tried to include everyone into this thing, but really it's a story of, of Danny, this, this young up and coming Seattle artist struggling to make it. That's the story we're trying to tell, but it's very subtle. It's over time. It's, it's, it's little offhand remarks and, and it's, it's a, but we're doing it all on purpose. And that has been the difference. Like sitting down at the beginning of a year or at the beginning of a month and saying, okay, what are we doing? And what are we, how's our messaging going to go? And how are we, and we got to make sure we don't, uh, you know, we mentioned something three months ago. We don't want to contradict that now. And, you know, leave somebody waiting, right. Uh, You know, it's like, Hey, what happened to this Mm -hmm. thing? I, yeah, I, yeah. Oh yeah. We get that a lot. Yeah. I, I think it's a very, but it's the, it's been, yeah. sorry. It's been that kind of, it's, it's been, it's been the thing that's kept me sane because I like telling stories. I like writing stories. I like writing fiction. So it's been hard. It was hard for me to get my head wrapped around. Well, I do a single ad or I do five ads a day on social media and I write a couple of things and I do a newsletter that doesn't get my, my motor going. What gets my motor going is telling a story that people can follow a narrative. And now when I see some of these people that are, we have a big following now on the coloring community on YouTube, right? Mm. So people are sharing our book a lot and they do buddy colors and group colors. And I watch all of those because I want to hear how people talk about Danny because that's the, you know, that's the story. And it's working. People talk about how, oh, she works and her pets and, you know, all the things that this narrative that we're telling is is sinking in. And, and I mean, I'm doing it completely venally. I'm doing mm-hmm. it completely selfishly because it creates... <laughs> loyal customers that keep coming back but yeah but it's it's also been a good creative challenge for me to to tell a long-term story over the course of five years as opposed to a short story that takes me a weekend you know absolutely but i think your your background in in just sales or or maybe the marketing aspect of it definitely comes in play here but i i found it curious that you mentioned this larger narrative when you have the draw of the enterprise being the bite size, very succinct, very sharp and on point bits that are just constantly coming at you. And that is what I marvel at is, is you have this consistency on the, on the micro and the macro aspect of this thing. So do you have to switch hats for that? Or is it all informed by the bigger picture? 
Or do you ever have to? It's actually all informed to me. To me, it's informed by the bigger picture because I don't. If you look at our, if you look at our face, our our Instagram as an mm-hmm. example, yeah. we used to get a lot more engagement. I used to, I used to go after and comment on posts and mm. and and really play that game a lot. And we had a lot more engagement, and our sales were lower. Now I have less engagement, and my sales are higher. So that's the goal. I don't. Right. I mean, likes likes don't pay my bills. <laughs> Right. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so I don't, I've stopped chasing the likes. I tell a narrative now, like for instance, there, there were times back in the early days, I would post something and it wouldn't go over very well. And I would think, Oh, I better jazz it up for the next one. Up. I better, I want to make sure I keep, I don't do that anymore. Now mm-hmm. I go, I'm telling a story and not every story ends. Not every chapter should end with a cliffhanger. Not every page has to have an exclamation mark at the end of it. Some, mm-hmm. there has to be some, lulls there has to be some peaks and valleys you know sure. so now i focus more on hey i need to do an ask next like um, sales talk right so sure. i'm doing a thing where i'm like hey come to our website and or come to our etsy shop and check that to me is an ask it's not just a joke or something i'm saying hey come and check us out that gets low engagement uh, it doesn't help our likes much but it helps my sales so <laughs> i stick with it because right. it's uh, and, and actually, and the funny thing is, and I, I mean, I'm never, I try not to be crass or gross. Nobody wants to be like, uh, but I mean, if I'm on sale, if our shop is on sale, I got to tell people it's on sale. If I don't, mm-hmm. people are mad at me that I didn't tell people. So, right. so we have to take care of business first and then all of the fun stuff seems to come behind that. So, yeah. so my focus is on, is this going to take us closer to our like, is it going to move product basically? Sure, sure. <laughs> or, or is this going to burnish Danny's bona fides? Or is this going to get us noticed by BuzzFeed? Or like all these, like, I, I'm, I'm looking for strategies as opposed to how many likes or how many comments did I get on a thing? Because I've got, I, we've had posts that have had great likes. We've had posts of things that were a brand new product. And people were like, we love it. It's fantastic. And we sold two. <laughs> Nothing ever sold past that. So right. people lie. They don't tell you the truth. But yeah. they you can tell what, what people really like by the response and by, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say it's uh, that money talks, you know, like that that's the only response that you can get. And we have free downloads and we have things people down and people appreciate that and like that. But if people don't like your stuff, they're not plunking down five bucks for your bookmark. You know what I mean? Exactly. So to us, that's a, that's a good indicator that we're on the right track is when sales are good. And that's and that's a wonderful thing to see. But I love this uh, this aspect of of the creative part of it, where it does serve a purpose, right? This is this is very cute, specific, and and wonderful work that you're creating. But it is originated with this this series of restrictions and parameters, and that's really the fascinating Correct. part of it. How does it, it kind of leads me to the point of of when you actually have to get to the writing? How does this work for you? What's your actual like writing routine for this, these types of, of, of posts that you're creating or the puns that you're doing? So, and just to clarify, you, you are in your, your big draw, I guess I should say is, is the combination of the image and, and the text to create something Correct. that, that really becomes memorable and, and snappy and just really cute, really adorable and, stuff. And hopefully, hopefully visual augments the text and vice versa. Like it helps to hit the joke a little harder or a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you work off of the images, right? Um, or is it the other way around? 
it's both. Okay. So what'll happen is, is I know that we have, I know that Danny's got a certain cast of characters in her head that she draws and I know things that she's interested in. I know what shows she's been watching. So I know that, Oh, I know she's going to want to do a capybara next because she saw in a <laughs> documentary about capybaras or whatever. So I'll start thinking about capybaras and I'll be like capybara in mascara or something. Right. I'll come up <laughs> yeah, with yeah, some stupid yeah. thing. <laughs> and then I, in our chat, I have a hashtag that I put in called fun idea. Mm. And so I put my hashtag in and then I put my idea down and, she, and I went to my, in my, in our chat. And then if she sees it, I always know if she likes it. Cause she'll be like cute or, Oh, I like that or whatever. But if I get nothing, then I know it wasn't. <laughs> Cause she does, um, does she have the heart to tell you? No, uh, it's, it's garbage. This one's garbage. <laughs> um, no, she just does nothing. I just get nothing. <laughs> so then I know it's no good. Um, but, but we keep all these down. And then once she has a chance to sit down, because our schedules are pretty different, right? Like I, uh, when she's, you know, suddenly she's in the middle of doing clay for eight hours. I can't wait for her to get me an image. I got to, you know, I'm, or I think of something I'm driving and I, you know, whatever. So I will, I will throw out ideas and concepts even won't just be a, a line. Maybe there'll be a concept this, you know, thing doing this thing. And then this is the caption below or something. Right. Mm. So then she goes through and she picks through the ones that she, that either strike her or hit her. Sometimes she picks something completely new that I didn't see coming and she'll be like, what do you think of this? And then I, then that gets me going, but then she comes back and then we back and forth it because one of our hallmarks is to try and get things as pithy as possible, get things as short and tight. We've made a decision early on that we weren't going to do multi-panel. The most things that we would do is we would do a, greeting card like we'd have a an opening image mm. and then a reveal that would right. be the most we'd kind of do right almost everything we do is a single image a single panel mm -hmm. we try my one of my biggest influences is the far side oh okay um, because the images and the text together make a little bit of magic in that tiny <laughs> one bit of space right yeah so we're and we we go simpler than that i even have less we don't have you know sometimes just a single character with a look on his face and you're trying to come up with something that will be you know, um, but we also know our audience too. Our audience are working people. Our audiences are women between the ages of 25 and 45, basically. Um, our audiences uh, actually skew pretty well across the uh, racial lines, uh, not just white, but we get uh, a lot of black uh, uh, engagement too, which I'm, I'm thrilled about. Um, so we, we write to the, we write to our audience to some degree, but for the most part, it's Danny comes up with something. And then once she has something, um, we then start to tweak it. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example recently. Once in a while, she'll come up with something and I'll be like, I don't want to add any text to it. It's just good the way it is. Like it's, mm. I don't, I don't, I want to still highlight her as just the artist. I don't want us to become known as just a, a pun shop, mm. but um, but lots of times we're trying to come up with something and we're trying to come up with something now that is Dan and I both hate bromides. We both hate platitudes, uh, uh, affirmations, you know, like, uh, <laughs> so one of our things is to kind of tweak them. And we've been doing that since we met. So one of the things that we do, that's been really popular for us is one of our most popular little sayings is you got this. And then underneath it says, probably, I don't know. <laughs> right. Because yeah, I've seen, I've seen that one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That has been really popular for us because people, I think, they like the sentiment. They like the, but. There's an honesty there, right? It, it's sweet. It, That's right. There has yeah. to be an acknowledgement of reality, 
you know? Yeah. Like, and like we have one coming up soon that says live in the moment. And then underneath it says, Oh, too late. <laughs> Cause that's, <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah. And yeah. that, that's really you guys in, at least from a, an outsider's perspective, it's like you're transcending or you're getting past a certain point in your craft where you, where you're looking for other ways to evolve that. Right. Yes. Yeah. We want, we're always trying to find, I always want to want, I, even when Danny's just doing her images, like we're, we're about to launch a brand new thing of notepads as an example. Okay. Well, notepads have a very specific geometry. There's a, there's a, and in the West, at least Western culture, we start to read from the top left to the bottom, right. That's how we go. And so even if it's not reading, we, she has a new, we have these new notepads where we have a story visually starting in the top right and by the time you look through the whole notepad the final kind of punchline to the to the image is in the bottom left and it or the oh, bottom goodness. right sorry so top left so it, it we have a kind of flow and then people can but we want that reveal we i i'm a big believer in story structure i'm a big believer that that as human beings you look across cultures there may be different styles of storytelling but people love there's a there's a reason why stories end the way they end. There's a reason why there's a conflict in the middle. There's a there's a reason why stories have the structure they have. It's because they're satisfying. It's because at the end people go, hmm, that's what I wanted, <laughs> right? It's like a meal. And so we are trying to do the same thing, but in a very compact little space so that there's a beginning and then there's a surprise some way through it. And then there's a little hmm at the end, a little reveal. That's every single joke that we tell or every single pun or even image that we do, we're trying to do something that that has more than one, more than just the surface. If you look at it, the surface, it has a certain meaning. Uh, even my puns, we're trying to do something where I, it, this <laughs> puns are weird because I can't, <laughs> I can't copyright them, right? They're not, they're not copyrightable. Mm. Um, um, and everyone does them. Uh, I always, I always joke about how people talk about how puns are the lowest form of humor. Yeah. Hamburgers are the lowest form of beef, but you can still have a good hamburger or a crappy hamburger. That's right. You know? So, so puns may be the lowest form of humor, but you can still have a good pun or a bad pun and you can still have a cheap pun or a, a pun that has meaning and a pun that has, or a, a joke that has levels and layers to it. And that people, when they look at it again, they go, oh, I didn't even see, there's ways to do that. And so we strive. And so some of these things that seem like they come across in, you know, backhanded, oh, I just threw this off. Mm -hmm. Some of those are the ones that we spend the most time, you know, that we agonize over over individual verbiage. I mean, there's times, especially on a visual image where Danny and I will agonize over kerning on the font to make sure that the spacing is right. So that that last word hits for the pun properly or whatever. Like we, we, we think the details make all the difference between people going, Hmm. And people going, Oh, that's clever. <laughs> right. And that's the, the great thing about you guys is there is no shortage of commitment to every part of the process and the approach. Um, but I, I meant to ask you this. Um, has there been a time when you were struggling, like, like you had mentioned and structure helped you along the way, say like you found something along, like in terms of structure that really said, Oh, I have the perfect pun or I have the perfect setup for it. Or that structure came in and saved the day. I think the, the biggest thing for for, be, for being able to go on, I mean, we're now seven years since we opened the shop, right? And wow. been about five now since we've been consistent on social media and about three since I left any other kind of work and started doing this full time. Like I was doing consulting still and doing some tech work and, you know, marketing, uh, social media marketing for other people. And then about three years ago, Danny's like, let's do this. 
So I gave up those clients and came on. I would say the biggest thing has been you hit a wall at a certain point, right? Maybe it's eight months in, maybe it's two years in or whatever, where you're not excited about things. You're not interested in the kinds of stuff you're doing anymore. Um, and I would say to people, that's where your structure will save you because you'll come out the other end of it. So we already at that point kind of had worked out a system where it's impossible to write something like this every day. Like it's impossible mm -hmm. to sit down and just go, I'm going to write five puns today that are going to be clever and good. Um, or I'm, or no, that actually that that's that you can do. What you can't do is like, Oh, it's two o'clock. I have to write a post. I've got to have a post <laughs> out the next 10 minutes and then to come up with something clever. That's yeah. impossible. That's, that's the Jaime approach actually. Uh, oh, it's two o'clock. I got to do something now. Horrible, yeah. horrible. That's way to a, do it. that's a, that's a fluke. That's, and then it, it, once in a while, the worst part is, is it would work once in a while. I would hit something and I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm brilliant, but you're not. <laughs> you're, you're the best way for me to work is that, like I say, I now have a structure where I have challenged myself to be like, um, there's a certain story I want to tell. There's a certain, I mean, the business has helped too, because Hey, I, right now I've got acrylic pins that I want to clear out because we're not going to carry them anymore. So for this next two months, I got to push acrylic pins. How do I do that without pissing people off seeing mm. all the acrylic pin posts I do? How do I, but that gives me a focus, a nexus for which to pour my stuff into. The biggest thing that has helped has been working, um, at least a day in advance, at least a day in ahead. Okay. Um, I don't like to work too far ahead because you might make a joke and you're away at having groceries and then somebody has died or there's been a mass shooting or there's been whatever has happened and suddenly your joke looks completely tactless okay. and sure. painful and Right? So would you so say I, that's a that's a big part of the of the job as well as to just manage the environment or not manage but look at the the surrounding culture in the moment. Oh this last this last year and a half especially. This last mm. year and a half has been a minefield. You don't want to there's been a bunch of stuff that we don't even sell anymore because it came across as really it came across as uh, a little cold, you know. Mm. Like I have a I have a I have a shark. I have a whale shark sticker mm -hmm. and the pun is totally krill in it. Right. Mm. But it's a joke about killing. And with when the US was in the middle of 500,000 deaths, you know, you don't want right. to post things that are, you don't want to be, you know, cold. Right. Sure. Sure. So, um, and at the same time, you don't want to be morose. So when bad things happen and there, I mean, the whole reason we got into this was to spread joy. So when there's a mass shooting, I don't want to go into a whole political screed about how gun control, need, that's not what people come to us for. Sure. If I want to do that, I do that on my own time, you know, mm -hmm. my own space. Yeah. But they come to us to get a little respite. They come to us to get a little joy, a little fun, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't want to be, I don't want to be, um, like I said, I don't want to be crass. I don't want to be, you know, uh, we acknowledge things. We certainly acknowledge Black Lives Matter. We are a, a, a staunch uh, supporter of the LGBT community. We make that very clear. But we don't, we don't make politics our focus. We, we want to make people happy. That's what we're trying right, to do here. Right. So there's, there's um, just a fine line to- But this last year has there, been, yeah. this last year, sorry. Yeah, this last year has been, a, has been that's, and I, in fact, I used to schedule out two or three days in a, in a row. In, in advance because it makes it a little easier for me to work on other projects. Now I do about a day because mm. you never know. Right. You never know. But you folks hit the tone. Although the Biden right, administration yeah. has, the Biden administration has made things 
at least I don't feel like things might change on an hour to hour basis anymore. <laughs> the world is less on fire. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, well, man, uh, it's, it's been going well. We got it. We got about, uh, maybe a couple more minutes. Uh, I don't want to keep you too long, but we definitely got to keep talking. We definitely need okay. to continue this, uh, at another time. To, I would love it. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you'd like to, to add right now about process, about fun, usual suspects or anything that you got coming up? Cause you, I did want to talk to you about your fiction interests. So maybe we can, mm -hmm. we can do that at length at, uh, another time, but another time, that would be great. I would love to talk about movies and books and stuff with you too, man. Yeah, I man. know there's so, a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Know. Cause let, let's talk about one though. Let, let me just okay. throw you one more question here. I am curious about what lit the spark in you to pursue the creative life, to, to solve those creative problems. When you were younger, what piece of work really lit you up? Oh, what piece of work? Okay. Uh, well, the biggest influence was probably a teacher I had. Her name was Marilyn Halverson. And when I was in grade seven, I guess, she had been my teacher for English from grade five on. And she had actually, there were three of us in her class that she liked, me and two others, who, it's funny, I'm actually still in contact with them, <laughs> that she liked our writing. And she actually went, Marilyn Halverson went back to school to become a high school teacher from a, an elementary school teacher so she could go with us through. Oh, wow. So she was very encouraging. And then she ended up becoming a published author. She has a couple of books. She has a book called Cowboys Don't Cry. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was a young adult author and she, and her, her book got made into a TV movie. And so to see somebody that I knew, someone that encouraged my writing, someone that, that saw some spark or potential in me and then, and to, and, and to have seen her process and then to see her make it, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, it did a couple things for me. I learned a little bit more about the book business and realizing that just because you write a book doesn't make you rich and you know, it's, oh, yeah. it, you're still a, <laughs> you're still a working stiff. Um, but the other thing it taught me was that you can still be a creative person and be a teacher or be a, you know, she ran a farm, she had a ranch and she, but here she found a way to write a book that became a movie. And she thought my writing was good. Those were probably the most impactful in terms of making me realize that, Oh, this is something I can do. And maybe something yeah. I can make a living at even. So that was the first thing. I would say the work that lit me up the most was probably, I got to give my mom a, a, a big shout out. My mom was the kind of person that whatever she was reading, it didn't matter what age, whatever, if, if, if I was reading a book, she was fine with that. Like mm. she encouraged me to read everything and anything. And if, if she thought I was getting too, much into Western or whatever, she'd be like, Hey, you should try this or, Oh, you should try that or whatever. So I give her a lot of credit because it did open up my eyes a lot. Um, <laughs> I know, I know it's a tough there's one. So but many, there's yeah, so many, yeah. the, the very, the very first book I ever read, I was four years old. I read a Hardy boys book. Okay. And that's going to sound silly, but I mean, there was something about, I, 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 I've all, mystery is my thing. Mystery is, I, it'll all, I'll always be a mystery lover. It's, it's, I mean, I, I love science fiction and all those things too, but to me, every book's a mystery book. Every, every story is a mystery story or else why would you keep reading? You want to see what's going to happen. You want to know what's going on. Those are the things that are fundamental to me. So I would say probably some of the mystery novels that I read as a kid, especially some of the classics, like the, uh, the, the, 
Dashiell Hammett books and the and the the old Sam Spade detective novels and mm-hmm. some of those hard boiled detective fiction books because okay. they were written with such a a clear prose like there was no wasted like some of them would be uh, there, there'd be a turn of phrase every now and then, you know, like uh, her voice was a honey coated razor, you know, like something yeah. like that. Okay. That's <laughs> beautiful, you know, yeah. but, but it was, but everything was about, and, and that part of that ruined me too, because it made me a plot driven person. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I have, I was going to say it fits funny, with your, uh, with your approach now where it's very much let's, let's get from point A to point B, but do it with a kind mm-hmm. of, of class, you know, and a kind of, a kind of grace, but it's very much about that you know, let's get to the the part that people really want to see. Let's get it. Let, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I also realize, I think I realized over time that all of that means nothing if you don't care about the character. If the character is mm-hmm. not something that, that has some interest to you, then it's just, a, you know, it's, it's uh, you might as well write a to-do list, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. It's not very exciting. So I, I think over time I've learned to appreciate character and, and nuance and, 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 uh, literary writing as opposed to genre writing. Mm. Um, but still, if, if push comes to shove, if someone asked me, <laughs> what book are you reading? I'm picking up a Robert B. Parker Spencer novel and reading a mystery. Like it's just, it's like having a comforting cup of coffee to me. So oh, that's so um, wonderful. But it's those things that it's, but it, it isn't, that is really in, you're right. It, and now I think about it, my prose is all about, one of my favorite quotes is from Edgar Allan Poe. He was writing a letter to a friend of his and he said, I would have written a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time because <laughs> it takes there time to get concise, to, exactly. to get an idea across in as small a point of time mm-hmm. as possible and to still have it be a full idea. That exactly. to me is where the joy comes in. So. Yeah. And and this is sort of like one of those things you, we talked about how um, you might say that puns are, are, you know, just anywhere there are a dime a dozen, but at the same time, I find that the toughest thing we can do is, is go beyond haiku go beyond mm. you know the the it we're not talking about simplicity we're talking about getting something so precise that it's it's so accessible that it walks that line between being a fleeting moment and something that's so honest and resonant that it's just going to sit with you for a while and it's it's just like so how do you hits. find yeah. that yeah how, how do you find that and and so it's i funny, think it's, that it's one a of the valid things that thing. i have a hard oh, sorry one of the things i have a hard time with is danny uh will be like, oh, we should think about this. And so she'll send me a list of like, here's a bunch of puns people have. And I'll be like, I don't, <laughs> you I, don't go I, there. I have to look at them because I don't want to copy anyone. Oh, but at the okay. same time, I don't kind of, I don't want to know sort of what other people, like how other people have been thinking about this word or about this mm. concept, because then it leads me down that path. And sometimes I'm much better off thinking of something completely original and different. So anyway. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say, uh, just lastly, that I'm I'm so taken by this phenomenal story of your teacher, and it reflects a lot of. And I I have a, a my biggest fault is projecting a lot of things, but I just love how the, this this teacher is just is just sort of like that monumental figure that you just want to have in your life, who is so giving that they are able to show you how to give, how to serve, right, and in the work that I've seen you guys do for so long, you are serving in the best possible way. You're doing your teachers oh, proud. You. I really appreciate that. You're putting so much light <laughs> into the world, man, that I'm, again, just very honored to know you and to learn from you. And I hope to keep laughing. 
So keep them coming. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Keep I will coming. do. And, uh, and, and as for you guys, uh, both you and Maddie, I think the kind of work you're producing, like I say, it is inspiring and both to Danny and myself because it is hard. Uh, one of the hardest things we ever did was making that choice to, to, to oh, yeah. take the leap from a nine to five to doing this full time. And it was, there was years where I'm not talking months. There was years where we <laughs> had to decide what rent was going to get paid on time and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of what kept us going was knowing that that you guys were still producing work and that you guys were making hard sacrifices and hard choices too. And that was very inspiring to us. And you should know that. Oh, well, thanks, man. That means the world. And please let's keep in touch. Let's keep talking. Okay. I mean, if I, again, you know, this is, this is going to be our, our trial run. So uh, yeah. let's, let's keep it rolling and hopefully we can uh, catch up again and we can talk about movies. Was a lot of fun. About, yeah. Yeah. I would love to talk about movies and books. That would be fantastic. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'm going to stop recording, but uh, stick around for just a sec, okay? I want to okay, talk to you, you about bet. something. All right.